This is part of our arm, arm, the Armor of God series, part three. Actually, it's 3.3 now, I think, <laughs> and, and climbing. <laughs> now, last week we had a, a question that I want to address more thoroughly this week. But I'm going to set the context again. I'm not going to read through the entire Armor of God passage, but I will at least read uh, partially. Ephesians 6.10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against powers, against the world forces of, the, of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenlies. Therefore, take up the full armor of God that you may be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to, and done, having done everything to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Let's just stop right there. Now, last week, we, we uh, were in our second week of looking at the breastplate of righteousness. Now, the, <clears throat> and we're out of handouts, by the way, but that's okay. Now, breastplate of righteousness, again, righteousness is the state of being just or morally pure whether in one's own strength or on the basis of imputed virtue. Virtue being defined here as moral excellence. Okay? Now, we're going to deal with the first, the second one too, the imputed righteousness, which is a positional righteousness. And we didn't get much farther than that. We, we looked at Romans 5, Philippians 3, Isaiah 61, Genesis, and then we got to the note, and we didn't really get through that much, where the sins of believers, again, this is just a note, our sin was imputed to Christ. We're going to come back to that, because that's such a huge point. But this morning, I want to look at the imputed righteousness, which is the righteousness given to us by God. It's not our personal goodness, our personal righteousness, our ability or lack thereof to do good works on this earth. That is what we're supposed to do. But we're talking about that imputed righteousness, that righteousness that, uh, like I say, I, the way, I like the way R.C. Sproul used to, des- used to describe it. It's that foreign righteousness. It's that alien righteousness. It's a righteousness not our own. It's the righteousness of Christ imputed on us, and I'm going to start there <clears throat> because we understand that. Because sometimes they get conflated; they get all mixed up. So I want to deal with the first one: the the righteousness of God, the one that we can't mess up. <laughs> okay, let's start there. Now, Romans five. Go back to Romans five. That's where the questions came from last week. And like I say, this handout this morning is like I. Uh, facetiously uh, described as being uh, my 10-minute answer to Gary's question. (laughs) 
Romans 5.12. What, what we're looking at here is reading this and as part of our discussion and a cross-reference to imputed righteousness. I'm going to back up and pick it up again here at verse 12 uh, through uh, 14, and then we'll move on to 21, <clears throat> and we'll see how, see how we do. We shouldn't have to look up all these verses, but if we do, we will. No problem. Again, I'm not on a, I'll just start, I'm not on a specific time frame where I must get this done. My thought is for this class, what I must do is teach truth that everybody understands. And if there's something out there that I need to uh, explain better, research better, or more, however you want to look at that, fire away. That's, that's what I'm here for, okay? I was going to say, I just almost said that's why they pay me the big bucks, but I'm not getting paid anything, so, so there you go. <laughs> so hopefully there'll be treasure in heaven for this. We'll see. <laughs> All right, 512, Romans. Therefore, just as, though one, just, as, just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam until Moses, even over those who had not sinned in the likeness of the offense of Adam, who is the type of him to come. We'll stop right there. <clears throat> now, first of all, what's this saying? Right, it's saying right there that through one man, sin into the world. We know that man is Adam. You say, well, wasn't Eve deceived? Yes, she was deceived. But Adam is directly held responsible by God for the sin. You say, why? Because it was Adam's responsibility. Eve, you look back at Genesis 2, Eve was created to be Adam's helpmate. Adam is the responsible party. Okay? It was Adam's responsibility when Eve said, oh, look, to say, no, he did not. He willfully partook. Okay? And Adam, as some people, you know, is, is the one God held, and that's consistent through Scripture. We'll see that you know, on that back chart. <clears throat> I've got a comparison chart on, on the second side that we will look at later. Or we may not. We just may something you can take home and compare. It's pretty self-explanatory. Now, the reminder of chapter 5 is a summary of everything taught from, verse, from chapter 1, verse 18 to this point. And at the be of chapter one eighteen, anybody remember what's being taught there? That's the beginning of the conversation of the sinfulness of man, and it just continues, and it goes on and and on. And the first three chapters, uh, from one eighteen all the way through chapter three, is showing how the entire world stands guilty before God as sinners. There's no getting around that. What, whatever. It said, whether you're a pagan, a Jew, or anything in between, you know, there's nothing left out in those, in those chapters. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God is the final summation. All. Everybody. Now, through one man. Well, that's Adam. Five, in verse 14, 
Nevertheless, sin reigned from Adam until Moses. Okay? From Adam until Moses, sin reigned, even without the law. The giving of the law, by the way, through Moses, just made things worse. It made man more culpable, actually. Okay? Uh, there's, no, there's no more, there never really was, but there's no more pleading ignorance. Remember, what did Romans 1.18 say? Everybody's held accountable. Why? Because creation itself shows that there is a God. Now, creation does not give us the name of that God. That takes special revelation. But through the general revelation of everything around us, there has to be a God. And that's why I always say the, the one... <clears throat> Un, the one unbelieving community that's probably going to be held in higher contempt with God is the scientific community that sees the magnificence of the creation, and yet they reject. They, they go out of their way to reject that God had anything at all to do with it, which is I find ironic. The people that, and I don't want to talk about this abortion thing, but how about men of medical science, men and women of medicine. That's not a baby. What is it then? See, it, it, to me, but that's what sin does. It, as Roman says, it suppresses the truth. It just shoves it down. The truth is there, but they just keep suppressing, suppressing, suppressing. Now, so Adam, <clears throat> in, now Adam again was the father of human race. Remember when Jesus told the Pharisees, you have your father, the devil? for he was a murderer and a liar from the beginning. He was referring back to the garden where Satan tempted Eve, and through that, mankind fell. And so that's where the murder came from. Because remember, you, minute, it says, the time you eat of this fruit, you will surely die. All right? And they did. Now, with Adam's case, it took 900-something years later, but he did die. But what happened right away is spiritual death. And that's more important because that's eternal. Physical death, by the way, everybody understands that every human being, saved or unsaved, will rise from the dead. That's, that's not even an issue in Scripture. Every human being that will one day rise from the dead and face judgment, believer and non-believer. Big difference, though. The believer... Thank the Lord. We will go before our judge, and our trial is going to be for rewards. Our trial is not going to be for punishment. You do know that, right? Our punishment was taken care of on Calvary. You can praise God for that. Because we're no better than the ones that are going to go before as Revelation describes it, the great white throne judgment, where the guilty sentence will be pronounced to every single person standing before him. Not, I don't mean a but, because all that's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, But nevertheless, right? <laughs> Every human being will be accountable for everything. That includes us. <clears throat> and uh, in, our, in our judgment, we will be, Lord will be judging us as to what kind of rewards we've earned in our service. 
and idle words and things like that can uh, take away from that, okay? Or, like, you can do good things for the wrong motivation, for example, and not get anything for it in terms of eternal reward. So there's a, there's a lot going on that. So, again, that's why our imputed righteousness is what gets us to heaven. Because unless, you know, the, the example of Scripture, and I'm getting ahead of myself once again, but is that the, the, sta- the righteous standard of God is be ye perfect as I am perfect. That is God's standard of righteousness. And only that standard of sinless perfection will get into heaven. If you don't have that standard of sinless perfection, you're not going to get into heaven. Well, does that mean one sin one time, I'm out? Yes, that's exactly what that means. But with God's forgiveness... And his imputed righteousness, we make the grade. And we don't make, again, we don't make it through our effort. All the, all the uh, credit and the glory goes to God. He did it. It's all of him. Again, by grace that no, no one should boast. We've got nothing to brag about. We've got no bragging rights on anything. Nothing. It's all of him. So we sh- none of us should ever get cocky about where we are in our human walk because I'll tell you, it's all on God. And, it's, and that's why this God needs to be worshipped. Because look what he did. He didn't, he could have, you know, I, I often ask myself, you know, you know, like I have a brother that has already passed on who rejected the gospel. And when I look at his grace and the whole doctrine of salvation, election, and so forth, I I'm think, why me, Lord, and not him? I don't know. I can't answer that. And, and that's something he, he, the only thing we know as to why is that he does everything after the counsel of his own will. That's it. It's the most I can tell you. It's his will, his choice, his decision. And that's why whatever is behind that that's not revealed to us, that's God's business. Those secret things belong to him. But we can know this. Thank you, Lord, for choosing me. That's, that's where we need to be. Don't second-guess him on what he didn't do. Thank him for what he did do. That's the big thing. That's the big thing. And people get the churches divide over this thing. It's like, hey. You know, just thank God that you're part of it. You know, that you're part of it. Because he could have not done that, okay? I've heard it said differently. Right. <clears throat> exactly. And, and in this book that he gave us, you know, I can guarantee you one thing. There's everything we do need to know on this earth, it's here. Don't worry about what's not here. Don't worry. You know how big this thing would be if he told us everything? If you think this is tricky to understand now, (laughs) he knows exactly what we need to have and what we can handle. And uh, I mean, I would go for a show of hands. I'm not going to waste time asking who has mastered this all 66 books. Okay, I can't. Matter of fact, as far as mastering, I can't really think of one. But anyway, (laughs) some I know better than others, or I'm less ignorant on. However, you want to view that. Uh, But no, there's this book is too rich it's just too rich Um, anyway and death through sin 
Well, that refers to both uh, physical and spiritual death. And the word death literally means separation. Now, in physical, and I put some quick, I'm not going to look up these verses, but physical death is separation of the body from one spirit slash soul. And then you can see many examples of that. We won't turn to any right now. Spiritual death is that is eternal separation from God. Okay? That's why Scripture says, you know, that uh, everybody's going to, unless you're part of that, unless some of us or none of us are part of that generation that's going to be taken up, everybody is going to die. Those that are somewhere down the road going to be raptured out of here, that'll, that's the exception to the rule. But that's not the rule. I mean, you know, we can go back to, you know, Enoch, right? Enoch one day walked with God and then walked and God just took him, just took him up. There's a little one-man rapture right there. You know, and who was it, Elijah? Same thing, you know, he went up. That's it, okay? Um, <clears throat> and then when the rapture comes, whatever that generation of believers are, they will be up, but everybody else is going to die. And the scripture says the death you don't want to experience is the second death. It's the second death. That's the one where you're, the judgment is passed at the great white throne, and you are then eternally separated from God. And that's spiritual death. Okay, and uh, death, again, I'm, I'm in our notes on the original sin one, where it says, death spread to all men. Again, this is a result, direct result of Adam's sin, 1 Corinthians 15, 22. And because all, because all sinned, okay, that because all sinned, again, is in, in the aorist tense, which uh, indicates at a point in time past, all men sinned. Now, how does that work? Well, when Adam sinned, he not only sinned as a man, but also sinned as man. What do you mean that? As man, as a man? See, he is the father of the human race. Therefore, his sin just like his DNA passed on through all generations. And that's, mankind got tainted. When mankind fell, I mean, when Adam fell, mankind fell. At that point in time, again, remember, all two of them, Adam and Eve was mankind at that point in time. Okay, there was, they had no offspring at that time. Uh, and the, the scriptures indicate there wasn't a bun in the oven, as they say. Okay, there was nothing. It was just Adam and Eve, which kind of indicates to me, too, that this happened relatively fast after they were placed in the garden. It probably didn't take too long. So that's just my opinion. I have no past other than just the way things happen. Boom, boom, and all of a sudden, there you go. Now, the result of original sin is... Uh, Romans five thirteen and 14, where it says, For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam until Moses. Okay, that speaks of that time frame prior to the law, from Adam to Moses. From the law is from Moses beyond, okay? So, even though those who had not sinned be like the offense of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. Now, for, at, for until the law means until the giving of the law, sin was not imputed where there is no law. In other words, prior to the law, no sin would be considered a violation of the law, yet not yet given. So in, in technical sense, they didn't violate the law, the law, the Mosaic law. Okay, keep that in mind. Um, <clears throat> but 
sin was still sin, and man was still held accountable. I've got some examples here. You have the creation, Genesis 1, Genesis 2. The fall, Genesis 3. After the fall, where do you get? I've got it right here in our notes. Genesis 4, you've got uh, murder. And continuous, in Genesis 6, 5, continuous evil. So evil that God destroyed the population of the earth. Then you move on, Genesis 11. Or, uh, you've got idolatry. Genesis 11, that's the Tower of Babel. You've got idolatry in, on a worldwide score, by the way. That's when God dis- confounded the languages and scattered everybody. It's like a one-world pagan religion was being formed. Then you got uh, homosexuality, Genesis 19. Okay, got to bring that up here. In uh, Remember, this is Pride Month, right? I don't know, did anybody get, does anybody subscribe to the Babylon Bee? Did you hear the one about Chick-fil-A, what they're doing, that, the uh, headline about Chick-fil-A? Yeah, in uh, recognition of Pride Month, their, their, their fries or their fries they put out are going to be salted with Lot's wife. <laughs> okay, anyway, um, we move on. That's kind of bad. But anyway, I'm going to think about that one for a while. Why didn't you get that? Are they saying good for Pride? Oh, no. <laughs> Babylon, um, satire. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a... Religious, it's, it's kind of a, a Christian, at least semi-Christian satire. Yeah. And so, you know, Chick-fil-A is a Christian-run company. And so what they're doing in, and you remember when Lot left Sodom, they said, don't look back. She looked back, and she was turned into a pillar of salt. So in recognition of Pride Month, they're going to salt their fries with, with Lot's wife. <laughs> Didn't, didn't get any better, huh? <laughs> yeah, I guess it's one of those you had to have been there. <laughs> you just had to kind of see it in print because it had pictures. There. Anyway, yeah, yeah, I think that's, that's it, too. I think that's my last trial. We'll move on. Let's move on to another sin, right? And then by the time we, uh, <clears throat> later on, you know, you get in, you got drunkenness and incest and all kinds of stuff going on, and none of it's good. You know, and again, that's with Lot himself. Um, anyway, and when it says, nevertheless, death reigned from Adam till Moses, you know, again, with the exception of Enoch, everybody within that time frame died. They all died, just like God said, you eat of this fruit, you're going to die. And um, <clears throat> so there you go. That's all we need to say on that. Now, um, on the backside, from death to life. Any, we okay with this so far? Yeah. yeah. This happened way back in Genesis, but it also sounds like a headline. Yeah. Oh, I'm telling you. Yeah, I mean, you, again, I keep going back to this, but you, you just read through Romans 1.18 through 32. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's political platforms built on what God's against in that one. I mean, that's what every, that's what's being actually promoted from like the White House and at least half of Congress. I mean, it's pretty, uh, pretty disgusting. And not just here. It's worldwide. It's worldwide. I mean, Canada, it's going nuts everywhere. Okay. I put a comparison chart here of Adam 
compared to Christ. See that? And uh, just I'll just look at the top one. For as in Adam all die, and then across, so also in Christ all will be made alive. And what's said, uh, where it's, we read earlier where Adam is a type, it's what's called uh, an anti-type. They're op- he's an opposite in type. We talked about that a little bit last time. There's two types of types. <laughs> one is an anti-type like this, Adam and Christ. There's another one, an, a type that foreshadows uh, Christ, the Messiah. And that would be like, say, Melchizedek would be one of those, you know, who is a king and priest, all right, that you can afford. Even David was a type of Christ, prophet, king, you know, so the, those, those certain things. So you have, you have types and then the anti-type. So Adam would be an anti-type. <clears throat> and there's people in the Old Testament that were types of other people. Like there's people in the Old Testament, for example, in uh, Daniel 11, uh, Antiochus Epiphanes would be a type of the future Antichrist. So there's, there's types and symbols are all over the Old Testament. Okay, and then Romans 5.15 said, you know, by the transgression of the one, and many died, much more did the grace of God uh, and the gift of the grace, you remember that, the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to the many. And you can just go on through there and, again, and look at that, those comparisons, and it goes all the way through uh, virtually all, yeah, through uh, 21, and it just picks out those comparisons. Through Adam, this is the result, but Christ, basically to us that believe, Christ reversed that. Christ reversed that. He turned it around. He took it away. See, he took it away. And that's where imputed righteousness comes. He took it away. See, he took our sin on himself, and God judged that sin. See? And because... And the scriptures are clear, Old and New Testament, God will judge every sin committed, everyone, every single one, including ours. And Christ took the penalty for us. He was our, that's why when you talk about uh, grace, I mean, it just, there's so much involved in the grace of God, you know. Um, And that's what gets me when people say, oh, God is an unloving, unjust, well, as far as I'm concerned, for me personally, I'm glad I didn't get God's justice. I much prefer, and I'm very happy, that he gave me his mercy instead. He gave the justice due me to Christ. See, and see, that's... Again. Now, we, are we good on this one? Okay, good. Now to the Armor 3. This is... 3.3. The, the italics, the, the, the words in italics, they're put in, <clears throat> the translators, okay, put those italicized words in there to let you know that that word is not in the original grammar or in the original Greek manuscript, but that word is added for credibility. Um, Clarity in terms of reading it, making that transfer from the ancient Greek to English. So to make it sound 
like we would read it, most of the times they're helpful. Every now and then one goes, eh, takes us a little bit away from the, from the truth. But most of the time they're helpful. It tries to make it flow better in, to the English reader, which is us, right? So. Generally what that means is if it's bracketed like that, it was added. If it's a bracket, or is it a, a parenthesis? Is it a Okay, well, that's, that's usually a grammatical thing where, like, you're, you're, making, you're, you're talking about a subject, and then you kind of move off to the side of the subject, say something similar, and then you get back into the subject. That's usually what the parentheses means. It's still in the original manuscript. The parentheses? Right. The, no, the, the text. Yes, all that, all that is in the, right. in the Greek New He's Testament, just, yes. MacArthur's just making it. Well, actually, MacArthur didn't do it. No, the but, parentheses, uh, he did. No. That would be in the original King James. But anybody, anybody got a MacArthur New Testament, New American Standard? Is it in there? Yeah. See, that came. That's a there. When the the study Bible, MacArthur Study Bible, one of the first ones he did came out in the New King James because there was no uh, fee for that. Okay. And then as things went on, he talked to the Lockman Foundation, and then he went with the New American uh, Standard Version. And so they held to they what they do is holding true to the uh, English translation as received, not changing it around, but making comments on it. The parentheses isn't going to change any meaning in this sense. Yeah, a bracket, a bracket. You have those square brackets around something, whether it's a word, a verse or a group of verses, that's indicating that this section that's bracketed is not in a lot of what is regarded as the, some of the more important New Testament manuscripts. Perhaps either the older ones, the more complete ones, and they're just drawing that attention to the reader, saying, hey, just to let you know, yes, it's in a lot of the English translations, however, it's not in some of the better slash more complete manuscripts. Does that help? So, so there's a reason for it. But the parentheses shouldn't hurt a thing here. It's just how the... It's a carryover from what the King James translators, how they viewed it. And the New King James just kept it going. And then New American doesn't have it. I would bet you the ESV doesn't have it either. Yeah, just in case you didn't hear everything, because I heard... I think most of it. But to capsulize what was being said, and it's what I heard is all true, is that you go back to the Greek manuscripts that this was that our English translations are, are pulled from. I mean, especially you go way back. They were if you ever saw, saw pictures of these things, they're like all caps just squished together. You talk about lack of punctuation, there's no periods, commas. <laughs> You know, parentheses, none of that stuff is there. And it's through, that's why, you know, you have, well, I'm not going to go there, but you have different and different interpreters that bring it from the Greek to the English will sometimes, like was already said, will we'll add a word here and there, and the honest translations will put it in parentheses, put it in italics, excuse me, to let you know that is a translator addition for the sake of clarity, to, to make it more readable 
and understandable for the English leader in, an, in a tremendous effort not to change the meaning. That's what, exactly what they don't want to do, is change the meaning. Good quality interpreters will, will do, or that's what they're after, you know. Um, okay, back to Ephesians 6. Are we good with uh, Romans 5? Glory. <laughs> that is a great passage and, again, deserves probably, a, a, one of these days, a more complete treatment, which would, uh, would be a multiple uh, Sunday ev- adventure through Ephesians, through, through Galatians, or <laughs> Romans, I'll get there sooner or later, Romans 5. <laughs> if, I, if I name them all, I'm going to hit it, right? <laughs> okay. Now, that second spot down there where it says, Note, the sins of the believers were imputed to Christ. I, want to, I, I looked at those, but I want to look at them again. I want to pick up there. Uh, we're running, uh, I was going to say, I was going to we're running out of time, but I think we've, uh, we're running. I think we already hit the fence. But we're on part three, page one. And uh, I'll tell you what, it's nine nine forty eight. They're going to come after me with the shepherd's hook any time now and drag me to the pen. So we will pick where it says note. We will pick up there. And uh, Lord willing, complete, but even more so, Lord willing, we will hopefully continue to learn. Let's uh, close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we, we do thank you, Lord, for bringing us together this morning, and we just pray, Lord, that uh, I would do a decent enough job, and we're, we're, we're so reliant on your Holy Spirit to take your word and drive it into our hearts that we may learn and that we may walk according to it. And again, Lord, we just ask this all in the name of Christ. Amen.